What's good, everybody? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by DistroKid. They are the go-to for digital music distribution and the easiest way for musicians to get your music onto Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, TikTok, YouTube, and more. They offer unlimited uploads, and artists keep 100% of their earnings in stores 10 to 20 times faster than any other distributor. Fastest payouts. They help out with automatic splits, cover song clearance, and all kinds of other amazing tools and templates to help you get the most visibility for your releases. I dig this company and really appreciate their business model that offers more features than any other distributor at the most affordable price possible for solo musicians, bands, studio artists, DJs, and any other creators that are producing music in their home. And they also offer label services as well. They're distributing over a third of the world's digital music at this point. And the best part about DistroKid sponsoring the podcast is that they are offering Dan Cable Presents listeners 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable services even cheaper. Check out the link in the episode notes. I will also put it in my Instagram bio in the link tree. Click that link and it will give you 30% off your first year of service. Super stoked to have DistroKid sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe here in Portland, Oregon. This has become one of my favorite local hangs because they have free music every Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. and Sunday afternoons 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. They are located in inner southeast Portland and not only do they offer free music on their their large patio setup, but they've also got a killer brunch menu from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays and Sundays. The French toast and the breakfast sandwich are lights out. And I can't really do much alcohol personally, but I love their Virgin Bloody Marys. And they've got some other mocktails for folks like me as well, as well as the, the real deal cocktails, mimosa flights and all the goods. So come on out for brunch or come out in the evening for the new warm weather cocktail menu featuring lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, tons of outdoor patio space and good eats. Big thanks to Produce Row Cafe for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's do it. What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels. Helping strangers find the podcast, just a great way to contribute to the growth of the sustainability of this thing. And I appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do it. 
Hope everybody is doing well out there. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. And uh, the podcast is on Spotify now. I've also been dropping some monthly playlists there every first of the month. So the link for those will be in the episode notes, along with the links for the Dan Cable Presents mugs and T-shirts. Got a great episode of the cast in store for you this week episode 273 watson moon is on the podcast we chatted about his new record see you out there and just kind of how he got into playing tunes and about his upbringing and and the way that everything that he has experienced kind of influences and comes through in some way into his art and his music and uh just really enjoyed this chat so i'm stoked to share it with you i really dig this see you out there record and i'm a little biased just because a bunch of people i know and some people that are close to me played on this record and had a lot to do with it it's on inside voices records which is my cousin's record label who usually hosts the i dig record series on here and has been a guest multiple times and one of my favorite musicians and people to just hang out with and this Watson Moon project is something that he holds very near and dear to his heart so uh, I was excited to hear what the end results were with this thing and uh, he got me really excited to to chat with Watson and it was cool to just get to hear a little bit more of the the ins and outs of of how things went down with with putting this thing together drew pine who's a friend engineered this thing and did such an amazing job this record sounds great uh andy from high pole played on this thing he has like one of the most crushing sax parts on this record and i know gabby played on the record as well from gabby and the blue gleam so this thing is uh just filled with amazing musicians and and great people who came together to to make this record and can't say enough good things about this conversation that i had with watson i uh it's funny listening back while i was putting this one together i knew that we touched on some pretty heavy subjects but it wasn't until i was just putting this thing together that I really fully realized how candid Watson was about some things and just really appreciate his openness and and willingness to just talk about what his experience has been as a human and the way he expresses that through his music is is really killer. He's such a great songwriter and uh, his compositions blow me away at times. But uh, yeah, we touched on some heavy subject matter with this one, along with talking about the See You Out There record. So we will get into that in just a moment. A new episode of I Dig Records dropped this week. That comes out every other Wednesday in this feed. And as I previously mentioned, it's usually hosted by my cousin Rob. And uh, this week was the first time I had a guest host on, former guest of the podcast, Daniel G. Harmon came on to talk about face to faces 1992 don't turn away super fun chat so that is now available i know there's been some problems with things going on in the feed but i think those are 
hopefully sorted now or soon to be as I am moving the entire archive over to a new podcast platform, which I'm super stoked that things will be up on Anchor soon. But I dig records every other Wednesday, just doing the deep dive on a record, listening to tracks and whatnot. So that is now available. And if you are a Portland local, I just want to shout out a few calendar dates here for you going on at Produce Row in Southeast Portland. Free music going on every Wednesday and every Sunday. And coming up on September 22nd, we got the Jack Maybe Project. Jack Maybe, former guest of the podcast. And on September 25th, Miguel Hernandez Trio will be there playing the Jazz Jams. And on September 29th, Vanport DJ said, I believe... He will be doing all vinyl that night. So that will be dope. And that's all the things. All the links will be in the episode notes so you can keep up with Watson Moon, Produce Row, Inside Voices Records. All those things will will be there. And we're going to get into this episode. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode 273 with Watson Moon. And we are going to kick it off with the second track off that See You Out There record. This song is called Where Is All Your Proof? Let's do the damn thing. Tell if I was 
things out. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, all right, let's we okay. Let's just start like here. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it. You're ready? Yeah, 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 yeah. Boom. The Watson Moon on the podcast. Hi, hi, hello. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not video. It's just <laughs> Oh, is it not video? Okay. Cool. No. Dang, why did I even put on this hat? I don't know. Should off? I hit record? I can just hit record on it. <laughs> I never use the video. You can try it. I, I just, mean, you can see what happens. I just want people to, you know, just dive into the, the first... audio experience, you know, real old school right, radio. ASMR. Hello. hello, hello. <laughs> uh, I'm stoked to have you on, man. I've been listening to uh the record a lot see you out there which is uh available on all the the services for people to check out but i've been diving into it heavy the last week and especially the last couple days since knowing that i was gonna talk to you about your your tunes and everything so uh i'm excited about this conversation because i feel like you and i have uh definitely been in the same room a handful of times over the last I don't know five to seven years at least and we've had some chats here and there but nothing uh in depth just you and I so I I think this is a a cool opportunity to get to know you a little bit more and the tunes perfect yeah I'm 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 a open book as they say (laughs) (laughs) yeah man I guess before we get into talking about the record um and kind of where you're at with music now i thought it would be rad to maybe dial it all the way back to the beginning or so to when you started playing music how you kind of got hooked in what that early experience was for you oh man uh it's been a long <laughs> a long adventure uh well i i guess i just started i was you know, sneak, there was a tumultuous period in my adolescence, like 11, 12, where, uh, you know, it was just chaos in my family house. And then I would sneak down and all this, this same time I start to like go through puberty and I'm like, oh, you know, like all these new things. And like, I'm in middle school, which is the absolute worst time in anybody's life. You know, <laughs> So I start to like, sneak downstairs and this is a time when itunes was super popular so you can burn cds you know and then you can save them in itunes so i would sneak downstairs and my dad had just left the house but he had all of his cds there so i'd sneak downstairs and i'd like grab these cds like i remember specifically grabbing the (laughs) nevermind and in utero just like by based on the cover and like what had the most like provocative cover because i wanted to like I don't know. I was just interested in what was on these motherfucking things. And so uh, I'd bring them back upstairs and burn them on the computer. I'd get the content and then quickly like sneak them back. So I was sneaking like, like this music. And anyway, I got very, very into it. Like very, 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 very into music to the point where it was like, I was just obsessive about it. It was the only thing that I like had, like, you know, you know how it is in those days. And then, and then I like, you know, Nirvana is like the greatest place for anybody to start. I think like if you're into Nirvana and you want to become a musician, those songs are so insanely simple yet. So, you know, well put together. Anyway, I got a, I asked for a guitar. My, my family was like, what the hell is going on with this kid? <laughs> like he needs a hobby. So I, luckily I asked for a guitar and, and then I just sort of just like fucked with it until now. And that's the whole story. I put in a couple of bands and all, but yeah, mostly it's, I've just been doing it to, uh, 
escape my agonies. <laughs> so, but once you started going through CDs and you started burning some mixes of your own or whatever, you you were just—is that how you were spending all your time? Yeah, I was really angsty. I remember going to school and just being a fucking. I was getting bullied at school. It was hell. I remember writing all the lyrics to. What was it? It was Soul to Squeeze by Red Hot Chili Peppers in my science book. And it was just never ending. And it was like entire pages filled with like lyrics. I remember my dad one time said to me, I recited a bunch of lyrics to him. And he's like, if only you spent as much time on your math homework. (laughs) And I was like, oh my God. Classic. I know. Anyway, so yeah, that's like all I was doing. And then I would get home from the shitty, shitty middle school. I actually had to switch schools after seventh grade because it got so bad. But um. And then I would get home and and fuck around on the guitar. I've always just like just done shit like I, I, to this day. Like I love not knowing the rules about things. You know what I mean? Like I never like looked up how to play the guitar. I love just like you know fucking with it um, and messing around as this like weird new thing. I don't even know what a fret was called or anything. Um, and then I, I guess I just developed. Uh, and because I was like recording too, in the in, in audacity, it was like it was almost like I learned guitar as a means to record. I've always had a very very like close relationship with recording. Like recording has always been like a primary function of of like the like the the thing that is produced from the guitar, like is or whatever instrument you know. To me, like is like the most important thing. It's like a painting, you know what I mean? It's like. Y- I love live performances and I love the transitory nature of that. Sure. But like, I don't know. I just like having like a, a thing like, you know what I mean? And like, I loved doing all that when I was ever since I was born, you know, like I would draw little pictures and my whole life I was just scribbling on desks and shit in elementary school. I would never pay attention. That was the thing I learned in retrospect. I just recently remembered this about myself thinking back to elementary school. I was like, I literally never paid attention. I had never listened to the teacher. I was just like scribbling on my desk the whole time, drawing pictures the whole time. And I was like, that was kind of weird that nobody noticed or that I thought I didn't even think that was like a, (laughs) a, you know, an odd thing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that, uh, you like the way you learn to play guitar though, seems to even show in your playing now and maybe attributes to a lot of the feel that seems to be wrapped up in it. I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that I still have that purity. Like, actually, I recently stopped playing. I stopped writing. Eh, that's not at all true, but I stopped making music on the computer. Just like, not formally or anything, but just as a break because I kind of thought that I play guitar all day. You know, I'm a teacher. I'm a guitar teacher. And so it's pretty thoroughly explored ground for me. And whenever I feel like that, you know, I just go learn how to do something else. So I've been learning how to do Photoshop on my own. Of course, I don't look up any tutorials <laughs> just like randomly. Oh, what is this? Go up to the top and be like, Hmm, this distort. That sounds pretty, pretty like right up my alley. And then, you know, fuck with pictures and make other weird art there. So, uh, yeah, I would like to believe that my playing is still informed by like that innocence and lack of theory. <laughs> <you know? laughs> do you, do you still, really feel like there's more of an importance for you at least on having these these records out and being a part of 
some sort of recording experience and, and creating music opposed to the, the live show experience? Uh, well, it's been interesting because coming out of the pandemic, everybody's so excited about going back to live shows, you know, on the internet and stuff. And I know, I don't really feel that excited about it because I don't know, maybe it's like the social aspect of it. Like I just, there's just so much that goes with going to a live show. There's like, it's not as simple, you know what I mean? Like as recording, like there's so much that goes with going to a live show and you have to deal with people and i love watching the bands you know but it's <laughs> i don't know it's just really loud <laughs> That's amazing. you know what i mean i'd rather yeah. just i would rather just i mean i love like don't get me wrong like i've been to a lot of shows and i've played with a lot of bands and i love playing live i love playing with the band I don't know, but I just don't, I don't think I'm as enthusiastic about it as a lot of people, which has led to me not being like super, you know, like, uh, in that regard, I haven't been super like, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like gung ho. <laughs> That's the word. That's the one. I haven't been super gung ho about, so I've always had someone else in, in all my bands that has done all the booking and stuff. I've never been, that's never been my specialty. So you feel like, yeah, with the recording and just writing music, you get to uh, actually get to do the thing that it's a it's about the the music more rather than all the distractions of a of a show and the social aspects that you're talking about. I just I get I got agoraphobia, man. I'm scared of people. I'm scared. <laughs> you know you know what I'm talking about, right? You felt this like you felt this like. I don't like the every night going into a crowded room and you play at night and everybody's drinking and like you have to go backstage and like even with your friends I just like I got I need so much alone time and like to me it's almost like the opposite of it's communal right like and making music by yourself is not necessarily communal like all the all that whole album that just came out was written alone you know it was never, there's never any, all the collaboration comes later and I love all the collaboration, but that, even that's like intimate. It's just me and the other person 90% of the time, you know? Yeah. So that alone time, even in making the record is important for you to kind of have this space where you're creating the bones of the songs and then the collaboration introduces itself later after you've kind of had your space with it. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. You feel like that, uh, that alone time is, you know, and being kind of scared of people is like rooted a lot and getting bullied pretty early. Maybe. Well, the the thing is, this is something that I kind of just recently came to the conclusion about. Like, I've been trying to like fix it. You know what I mean? Fix my fear of people and like my like fact that I don't like going to shows with medicine, illicit or otherwise, you know, and I was, I mean, like maybe the pandemic helped me realize this, but like, yo, I don't need to, you know, like yeah. I don't need to do any of that. Like I can just make my music and go to my job and you know, like it's all good for sure, man. And you get to just, just cause you're putting music out doesn't mean that there, that you have to do all these certain things for it to be yeah, real or be an artist still. I mean, I was just talking about this, uh, on last week's episode with 
this singer songwriter named Wilby out of Nashville. And I brought up this thing that Rob and I talked about Cuzzo and I talked about on one of these, uh, I dig records episodes we did on Steely Dan and just kind of learning that like after their second studio record, they decided that they didn't want to play live music anymore. And they didn't for like almost 20 years. And so like, you can just do that if, if that's not what what you have envisioned or if that like doesn't do much for you there's no reason you have to show up and do that yeah i'm that's a great example i i've always looked up to bands like that you know the beatles did the same thing after revolve they're like yo we can't do this live we're just more interested in like what the sounds we can make in the studio um so yeah and also in this age of the internet i think it's probably easier to find success without touring because the vast majority of bands that I think most people like or are attracted to or find, you know, discover on the internet, they probably will never see live. And that's, you know, I don't know. Who knows when it comes to like making money off this stuff. I'm not an expert about that either. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I assume maybe Turin comes in there in that regard. I, and I'm not like totally like staunchly opposed to touring or playing live. I just like, I've always kind of either I've showed up to the shows, played the show and left, which makes me look like an asshole to all the other bands and stuff. And it's a bad look for the band. Or I try to socialize and I end up just like getting way too drunk because I'm so anxious and then also making a fool out of the band. You know, so it's like I just don't know. I don't know where the middle ground is. It's It's maybe a discomfort with myself. You know what I mean? Like. But I would just choose to, I I would just prefer to not, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if there's a way, I think there's probably a way, like with Steely Dan, if Steely Dan did it in the 70s, they also, but the thing is the Beatles and Steely Dan both had this, yeah, they were building off the momentum from right. their live shows. So I don't know. Um, I, but I think with maybe the internet, there's uh, more respect for that decision though, as well now, like people being more just aware of uh, the importance of mental health and people maybe having a little more compassion for that or at least you know hopefully at least the community of people that that finds themselves in a position to support your music or wants to support your music would be understanding of that you know we want what's what's alive (laughs) one more show man one more show (laughs) and the weird thing is i have a band yeah no you're totally right i i think I, 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 would, I would hope that the people liking my music would, if I, and I would think they would, you know, like, because that's the terms you get it on. They wouldn't even exist if those terms weren't there. Um, and I have a little band down here in Orange County, like, ready to go. Ready to go. If, if there is a show that we need to play, I keep, like, a band. <laughs> uh, but we just, it's more for fun, you know? It's, 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 I don't, I can't, if I'm trying to seriously do the like promotion and dis- discover my band via the live thing, like there's no way I'm going to be able to do it. Like I just know that about myself at this time. So either I'm going to get a booking agent and like grim grimace through the entire ordeal, or I can just like make my weird photoshops after work and then eventually make another album and then boom. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it can be this whole other, I don't know. I think, even if you don't want to play live much, you can offer all of these other things, these these totally. visual aspects to the music. And I think that there's also plenty of people who are big music fans 
that have no interest in going to live shows for the same reason you don't want to go to a live show because they just don't want to be trapped in a crowd like that. They don't want to stand there for four hours, you know? Totally. And that's who my music is intended for, <laughs> those guys. <laughs> this is a stay inside record, man. It's Exa for the car I, and it's for the house. We don't take this thing outside. <laughs> the, the first... the the, the first song on the the coming record that's coming out next year is called stay inside <laughs> and this is <was> before <laughs> pandemic i wrote it like way before the pandemic it was a, um but that's yeah amazing. yeah it's a music it's music for yeah. those guys you you got me uh you got me thinking about where my disconnect was in school like you were talking about like junior high you were just like not paying attention anymore I think I was or, just, or ever, you know, yeah. elementary school. Too. I think that happened like a little bit later for me, like early high school of where I was just doing whatever I wanted in class and doing a lot of writing on my own and not just like, yeah, completely spacing out on what was actually happening. And, you know, you could usually get away with it for the most part because there's too many other people to pay attention to if you're exactly. quiet about it. And it yields good results too. Like I would write shitty poetry in all my literally every class, <laughs> and uh, I, contri I contribute that to my lyrics. Being able to, I don't know if I can write lyrics. I treat poetry the same way that I treat the guitar. Like I, you know, I just try, try to treat it from a real innocent perspective. Well, I think that's what I appreciate about your lyrics, which I I like quite a bit, and we'll definitely dive into that. But it's uh. I don't know. Just feels like these fragments of thoughts at times. It feels like it's not always linear, which I appreciate because I think it's like a little more uh, reflective of just like thoughts happening in your head, you know, or at least for me, where it's, you know, it's just very random at times. It's uh, it's not it's not by design. What, what pops into my head all the time, you know, I can obviously influence it by the, the things that I intake, but I think that's what I really dig about your lyrics. Thank you. I was curious if you started writing, like once you got your guitar, was it pretty quickly that you would start writing your own songs and writing poetry of some sort or lyrics of your own opposed to just learning a bunch of covers? Oh, it was... Before I even learned what a chord was, I was writing, you know, songs with with lyrics. That's what I. T that's why I try to tell all my students, like, yo, you literally don't even know how to play. You don't need to know how to play a chord, and you can write a song. You know, like. So it was a means. I guess the me learning quote unquote learning guitar was just a means to uh, m express what I wanted to in the recording you know when you were growing up were you listening to a pretty eclectic bunch of music was there is it always pretty spread out genre wise or did that come later for you i had weird obsessions like i, I was like i made i i orchestrate when i was what i must have been like seven or eight i orchestrated an entire stage play with my neighbor to that aaron carter album what is it what's the first one with aaron Car aaron's party come get it whatever the first one was yeah da, na, 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 na. so yeah I, I had these weird obsessions like aaron carter was one of them i was really into in sync um and then i was really incredibly into william hung you remember yeah, william hung absolutely like the, the american 
idol guy. Yeah. Uh, that came right on the eve of me discovering like actual music. And he, that because I was in fifth grade, I remember I would pace around the backyard with my Walkman listening to this William Hung album he released of covers. And it had Hotel California on it, on it, Doc. And he was doing it in his William Hong voice. But, like, I didn't even give a shit. Like, I didn't recognize that it was bad singing. And the songs that he was covering were legitimately good songs. So that was my first introduction to a song like Hotel California, which, of course, is a masterpiece. <laughs> and, and, like, yeah, you know, like, I guess, yeah. So I guess I did have some weird obsessions. But music... I don't know. I didn't really. I don't know. I. I don't. I. I kind of draw a pretty distinct line between when I like needed music, you know, and like it was like what when I was just absolutely obsessed with it, and then the, the you know being a kid. But yeah. it, there was never anything to indicate that I was going to. Maybe there was. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, it wasn't. I didn't. wasn't like super obsessed with anything before middle school. Yeah, where are we at now? Are we at a point where we just like need and obsessed with music still? Uh, no. I mean, I love like music is such a part of my life that it's so ingrained in everything I do. Or not even music, but that creative. Sp- spirit that I was talking about that makes me make that stuff that I I built my life so much around that that I don't feel like that I feel like I can kind of relax because you know when you're in middle school and your parents are both like you know super successful there's a lot of stress on me to do you know to to uh, you know have a certain type of life yeah get the job uh, the house the kids the whole deal be a successful boy out there in the precisely, world. Precisely, <laughs> precisely. And even when my dad came down to my house in Orange County here recently, it's like a really, really cookie cutter suburban house. He was like, "Don't move back to LA. Just keep this house." Um, <laughs> but which is hilarious. But anyway, um, I feel like I'm so beyond like doing what my parents want me to do. Luckily, they're very accepting of the life path that I've chosen. Um, but I'm so beyond like, even like that pressure, you know, that pressure existed a lot when I lived with them, but I feel like subsequently when I moved out, um, sorry, what was the question? Hmm. That's a very good, I don't even know where we, how, how we got here. Well, let's keep going. What were we talking about? Oh, I was asking you um, if you if you felt like if you were in a position where you uh, felt like you were at a point where you were needed and were obsessed with music again. Like, is that where you're at now? No, not or as is, does that not waver? as compulsively. No, I, it's always it's always something. Um, I I need music. Like, I wake up and I put music on. I go to bed and I have music on. I drive to work. I have music on. I I'm on the computer doing my weird art shit. I have music on, you know, it's just like a part of my life. So it's like, I can depend on it. You know what I mean? There's no grabbing. There's no desperation for it. Like I can depend on it if nothing else. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about it or has been for my life, I guess, is that I always, I also seeked it out for escape at times and a lot of the time and, and felt like I needed it. 
and it's really great to feel like you need something, but to also know that it's always there. Like it's, it's a constant, you know, if you want to go listen to this thing, you can go listen to this thing. It doesn't, it doesn't leave you. Your feelings about certain records or songs might change over time, which is hopefully a good thing. Yeah. Hopefully um, they do. Sometimes it's a bummer, but <laughs> yeah. Well, um, what are you doing? What, 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 can you, no, I just say, I, I don't know. It's not a bummer, but I think that no, I want to, but I want to ref- know about like reflecting, <laughs> reflecting back on some of the music I used to really like as a teenager, um, is, is stuff that like, doesn't really resonate super heavy anymore. So it's interesting to see things that maybe had such a heavy influence on you at one time, maybe not um, speak to you at all. So that's an okay. There's an interesting point in there, and and like okay, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Like I was obsessed with the Smashing Pumpkins. Like everybody knew in my school knew. I was obsessed. That's like a, how obsessed I was in my high school, and um, I don't really. Um, listen to them regularly anymore. But I have this student. Oh, oh well, actually, wind back a little bit. I I just started to play drums a lot more because, like I said, I've been a little fatigued with the guitar. So I've been playing a lot more drums, and I find myself going back and learning very, very specifically a bunch of Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana. Jimmy Chamberlain drum. and Jimmy fucking... Chamberlain is insane. And Dave Dave Grohl's a Dave monster Grohl's... on the kit. Like, yeah, totally. And it's like, because these are very practical things and it's like, maybe I don't want to make that type of music, you know, mm-hmm. anymore, but like, these are just like means to, means to learn the drums, just like they were to learn the guitar. And they're a great entry point. I mean, maybe Geek USA is not a great entry point, but I learned it. <laughs> I learned just the little verse part of it. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, that's music that it's comfort it's comforting to me you know like it feels safe like i can learn the drums to that because you know i'm not gonna even i'm really into like what am i into these days like a lot of hip-hop and jazz and it just doesn't seem as in like you know what i mean it doesn't it it feels a little bit like out of my element i'd like to start with drums where like start from home you know what i mean and that Mm. feels like home to me yeah, I would imagine that helps you like build songs completely differently too when you are starting on the drums or if you're doing a lot of writing from the perspective of a drummer even if you're starting something on guitar, I think, you know, doing those things has got to inform pretty much everything. I feel like drummers that are vocalists always have like the meanest rhythm and pocket with their vocal delivery. So, it all it all seems to add up. I'm excited to get that because I certainly don't have the pocket. Like that's one thing I learned working with Rob is that I, <laughs> he's got this magical ear and uh, that I don't have. And I'm like, I have a lot to learn, you know, <laughs> when recording. Rob's, I feel like Rob is, I'm very grateful to have him around for that reason. And I don't even make music very actively, but even from a listening standpoint, it's, uh, it's helpful. I oh, think. he's, he's, he curates. This album would not sound the same without Rob. It would sound so much shittier. He curates just, he sees what, he sees the spark in something and he pulls it and tears it so yeah. it, all the light comes through. You know what I mean? For sure. And it's, um, it's funny listening to this record to me because it's, you can, for, for me, 
knowing Rob the way I do and, and he and I discussing music so regularly, I can tell that he had a hand in producing this record because this record is all kind of hits all of his his bullet points if you will for what makes a great album and in the way that it flows and the uh you know the instrumental interludes that exist and and just having interesting changes in the record and yeah so much of it i feel like are the things that he loves Trademark. about music and it's it's all kind of there but um, yeah well that was that was what i love also about working with Robin, how why I consider him such an important collaborator is that him and I sort of think very similarly. We don't have many like disagreements like, well, should we do this? Should we put this in here? Like I trust him very much and I think he trusts me a lot. So like what I, what I bring him, you know, that interlude track, I, I, I was I had already written that and pretty much like it was exactly the way it was. We didn't add, I don't think we had added anything to Weird July. Um, you know, we got it mixed, obviously, but like, I don't think we did anything like, <laughs> um, but so my point is, I guess that we think very similar to similarly about how, how an album is constructed and how, how it's important to have the flow in the album and, and what, if it's dope, it's dope, you know, we both have that rule and, and what's dope to us is very similar, I think. Yeah. It makes, there's that, that common ground there of what seems to move the needle and yeah weird july is uh those interlude tracks have become so important to me over the years especially as i become more patient as a listener and they become like this desired part of the album to me now and allow for breath or even um just a great way to to shift the vibe or feel of an album i think that it kind of like works really well for that time too because of the the track that that follows weird july which is like rocket like rocket's my favorite song on the album so but like before that, we uh yeah yeah go ahead i just wanted to say something hilarious like say something hilarious about weird july it's not i didn't even write it i wrote it on the piano but like i just combined Nora jones sunrise sunrise look like morning in your eyes for the verse and then for the chorus it's joanna newsome sadie and all that we bless and all that we need and burn every 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 single note of that melody burns irrevocably i just combined those two songs <laughs> and put you know put some weird shit on it but so I, I don't think everyone anyone would ever notice but I just think it's funny and that's you playing the keys i was gonna ask you about no that. that's gabia okay I wrote it on a, you know, I wrote it on a piano, but only at my mom's house only has a really detuned piano on at it. Um, so, Gabby played it on a super nice piano, and we recorded it.
trying to pick up different instruments when you can and, and feel your way through those. I know you're talking about, you know, picking up drums earlier and obviously that wasn't you playing on the record with the keys, but you wrote the piece and or felt your way through that one. Do you think that's just like really important for you to be able to keeping keeping things fresh and learning different tools to write songs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I like to know nothing about <laughs> what I'm doing. So when I go to the piano, obviously I, I, I teach a little bit of piano like to, to like super entry level kids. So I know like a little bit about piano, but I'm not very good at it. And so then that's the great thing about having such great collaborators is I'll have an idea and I, that I would never be able to pull off in a million years, like with the saxophone stuff that Andy does. I'll have an idea and then I can just tell them, tell these guys and they, they've worked with Rob for so long that they know, you know, they like yeah. Rob just like Rob has made these guys soldiers, you know, <laughs> and they know exactly what you're talking about. They know exactly like it's remarkable, honestly. So being someone that needs time alone to, to write some tunes and we can kind of get into how this, this album was kind of re re-released it was up for a while a few years back and then got taken down and kind of re remixed and did some additional production to it and re-recording the vocals but i would assume that that trust with rob is very strong if you're willing to let him into your creative process absolutely it's 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 stronger than strong it's like totally unbreakable but yeah, I mean, he was involved with the first version of it uh, to an extent, but I wanted to get to L.A., so I kind of just dropped it. I didn't want to be working on it when I was still in L.A., so I just kind of dropped it where it was, oh, it's, and it was like a spontaneous, like, recorded over the course of two months album, and I mixed it, and, uh, and then Rob was like, there's so much more potential in these songs than spending two months on them, and so that's what happened with the remix and the re-release and the, all that. Was that uh, easy for you to see when he kind of told you that? Like, was it easy for you to step back and say, all right, I, I'm going to take this down and I'm going to have the patience to work on it a little bit more and, and bring it to life in a different way? Absolutely. I mean, like I said, I trust Rob, like with, with, when it comes to musical stuff. I trust him like unanimously. Um, and I didn't like have that much of an attachment to the album. Like I, I knew he, what he was saying was right because I did rush it. You know, I rushed it because I was moving to Los Angeles and I wanted to have a, actually check this out. I, I even like had all these, I had all these CDs made. This is the old version. Yeah, I, remember I have a whole that. drawer full. Look at this, dude. This isn't my aesthetic anymore, but it's me <laughs> laying in a pile of $20 bills. And this, the, this, look what's on the CD. It's me passed out with a bottle of fucking tequila <laughs> in some yard. So <laughs> funny, man. Anyway, um, so yeah, I have all these in my drawer. So pretty much what I, what I wanted to do was just have a product, like a finished product that I could like pedal in LA. Um, that's what led to me doing it so quickly. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I always knew that there was more in the songs, but you know, I did it purposefully like, like quick because there's something to that too. You know, like when you just like don't overthink it and, uh, 
not that I wasn't working on it all the time, like in the month that led up to me leaving Washington, but yeah, no, Rob, Rob wants, Rob likes things to be perfect. And by perfect, I mean like in his eyes and in my eyes, like wouldn't change a thing. And that album definitely wasn't like that until we decided to go back and the vocal performances were absolutely absolutely dreadful which i can like you know twan has told me that he he misses those those just like i was doing a lot of billy corrigan vocals and the new album you'll notice is entirely just like breathy smooth like you know like it's just very <laughs> relaxing whereas the old one if you heard the old one you would think it's hilarious because it's like do you want another car you know I mean? it's not like do you want another car um but anyway yeah i think yeah, I I remember hearing the initial versions, and I remember maybe even before it came out, Rob showing me the tracks, because even before they got remixed and everything, and it got taken down, he was always, ever since you two started hanging, it like he's always been a big champion of your songwriting and is always Watson's a genius listen to this music and then he I was kind of there throughout the process of while it was being remixed so I would see Drew who engineered the thing talk to him about it and hear some of the mixes he was working on so I kind of got to see it along the way of how it was shaping up and you could just definitely tell that something like really great was happening with it and that the songs were did have a different life and maybe you were with these vocal takes they're not as raw as you were talking about maybe with the first version but they help i think add to like the juxtaposition of the dreaminess of the tunes at times with the heaviness of the lyrics yeah i guess so <laughs> um What's your favorite song on the record? Oh, man. What is my favorite song? I don't know if I can... I'm, I'm, I don't know if I can pinpoint... Here's what I will say. As we go... Like, we'll go through the record a little bit. I think what I dig about it overall is that it quickly allows me to fall into this space that's created and it's very dreamy but it also has so many great grooves on it and for me it starts right from the opening track with where the water goes and that continues through like throughout the record there are these these unpredictable moments there's a lot of interesting movements that where maybe the song the introduction to the song doesn't uh really indicate where it will uh, take you even 30 seconds into the song it might change drastically and uh, but it also all feels like it it belongs together and for me it's like the full range of emotions are tapped into and not just like throughout the record but in each song a lot of the time I feel totally. like totally yeah well all, they were all written in the span of like couple weeks like, together i had a insanely like manic period and i was like i need to write this whole new album i had this whole new idea to add moon to the end of my name watson and uh 
and just do this whole new project that I could peddle in LA because I didn't have anything and I was moving to LA. So I wrote them all really quick and I told Rob about it. I was like, Rob, I got this new project, da, 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 all manic and like freaking out. And, uh, <laughs> and then uh, he's like, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, they were all written so close together that it's funny, Rob, Rob brought up, we were talking the other day, um, and he brought up like, I think one of the main themes of the album is America. And I was like, yeah, you're probably right. Um, but a lot of those lyrics I wouldn't have written today because my, my uh, relationship to America, quote unquote, whatever the hell that is, like changes all the time. And like, that's why I think it's worth exploring, but it's like a lot of the times when I'm going through, like, yeah, anyway, the point was that it was supposed to be a vibe. Like it is supposed to be something that you can put on, play all the way through and, and it gets, it's a vibe. You know what I mean? Like, in the nightlife is maybe my favorite track on the record I think, the only uh, banger man abs- Andy just absolutely kills yeah. that sax solo halfway through I know. the track um, that was that was the first one you know that was from the first round of that was on the first edition too some of the stuff just was totally perfect already you know it just needed some some compression and reverb on it yeah and I also love that that song experiences this this come down effect in some way towards the end of it 
it feels like all of its energy has been exuded on this this sax solo until everything is just kind of fading out and very exhausted sounding at the end yeah that was just me ripping off the smashing pumpkins again (laughs) that was geek usa directly like how they go from the heavy heavy part into the middle you know you know it's on geek usa yeah um i'll have to i'll have to go back and like listen though and how the guitar solo like it's shredding up and then it continues there's this really dreamy section that comes in and it continues the guitar solo continues and begins to feed back over the dreamy section and i was just i had that exactly in mind when i was writing this um so (laughs) yeah uh i yeah that's the only song that has that level of energy i think on the whole album which because mostly it's a really chill album um i really like that song too I don't know what what can I say about that song. I I what did I, I I wrote them all together, you know. So like it's kind of a blur each individual song. Like, well, what about this aspect of things? Because I feel like you're pretty. There's there's mystery in the the lyrics for sure, and as I was saying before, I think there's some abstract elements to it where it feels like they're just fragmented pieces and not every line follows up to necessarily feel like it's a part of the same um feeling or thought but it does seem that uh you know you're like what is it like for you to to share this out in the world being that there is a lot of heaviness and vulnerability to the tunes especially you know maybe the the subject matter being your parents and in that particular song in some ways and like is that uh like do you get questions from your parents about these tracks or do they even know or is that is that weird for you to put out into the world i mean the same way i just talked to you about my parents getting divorced so now and me getting shoved into lockers when i was in middle school like i'm an open book you know i'm just one i'm just another person like there's nothing like special about me at all so i don't mind sharing that stuff you know i don't mind sharing it at all because why why hide where you've come from you know um so it's the same thing with the lyrics like yeah my parents uh, if they if they've listened to that song and if they've understood the lyrics we've never talked about it you know like i'm i'm not gonna sugarcoat anything in the music just to spare to spare i'm it's not i'm you know i it's it's not it's, i'm kind of a dick in that regard you know what i mean like so maybe i should think more about like what are my parents gonna think about this but if i think i've written something that's cool like and i don't even know what's about my parents at first is the other thing you know like I don't even know it's about my parents until I go back and <laughs> read it. And I was like, oh shit, I'm writing about my parents. You know? Yeah.
everybody. Just wanted to take a quick minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall with over 200 bottles. Muscles and Fritz are on the menu. Their cheeseburger is lights out, and they've always got some killer weekly specials as well. Aside from the menu items and beverages, they've got this awesome covered patio that is heated throughout the fall and winter with a bunch of big screens to watch all your favorite sports. And the best part is they have DJs playing tunes there every Tuesday night from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. and Sundays 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Coming up at North 45, we've got the return of DJ WWJP. He will be there on September 26th from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. And then on September 28th, DJ set from Sherbert, who has been on the podcast in the past. October 5th, a beat set from Alex Meltzer, the incredible Alex Meltzer, who is also another past guest of the podcast. And then on October 17th, DJ set from yours truly, DJ Ernie Moose Johnson will be over at north 45 let's get back to the episode i don't think you're being a dick not thinking about that i i think that uh i think that's what i'm attracted to it you know in some ways is that you are like to me that vulnerability is is powerful like whether you feel like you know like you're saying you know you're not special or something but i still think sharing things in some way that that resonates with people or you know there's a depth to it that uh i think is a a powerful thing i guess uh, i hope so (laughs) i hope i hope that people like the album um it was i wrote it so long ago it's just funny that it's just coming out now because (laughs) it was a lot's happened since 2018 you know right and do you often like to just kind of go through the the old lyrics and see where you were at with things? And yeah, I mean, I listen to the album and I I'm proud of the lyrics. I'm really proud of the lyrics. Uh, I changed a lot, not a lot of them, but I changed. There were a couple lines that I just didn't know what to say. But in like the subsequent two two years <laughs> before we recorded vocals again, I was like, oh, there's the perfect line. Um, so I changed a couple of them, but. Yeah, I'm proud of those lyrics. I I think they hold up like a lot of them. Like, in, th- for example, through the pores of the nightlife, are still relevant to me. And I I think uh, what is it? I, I burn myself walking on the hot coals, yeah. And I was just closing out the group's whole tab. It's nothing to sleep through, look and see through with a dollar in my hand. And then what does it say? Um, I pour myself water for the road ahead. I don't want to see you in the ambulance. If you couldn't tell if I was joking, no, I wasn't. No, I never am. And that comes to that. I mean, at least that because Rob also said nightlife was a big theme in the album, which it is. Um, but 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 that thing about if you couldn't tell if I was joking, no, I wasn't. No, I never am. That's something that I've. I I, I apparently I'm so sarcastic or so some way. I've always got people throughout my whole life being like are you being serious are you joking like people have always said that to me and i i i get i don't understand it 
<laughs> but uh, I, apparently I come off that way. So <laughs> that's the that's what that lyrics about. But yeah, so a lot of it I can still relate to heavily, and I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad I was able to put it into words like that. Yeah, in that conversation with Rob, you were also talking about the uh, the effects of the nightlife and how you know some people like to separate those worlds and maybe pretend that they don't interfere or affect the the everyday reality. Yeah, but they do. Yeah, can you expand upon like what you were talking about there? Because I I definitely felt similar to what you were saying. Well, a lot of people. And I hear this over and over again in AA. Um, they feel like they're living a double life, you know, like it's one, you know, they go to work, da da da, but then there's this secret like life where they go out and they like get blacked out and they like um, experience these super high euphorics and have transcendental experiences. Um, and then they, they think that they can keep that separate from their actual life because you meet people, you meet random strangers, you know, in the nightlife that you, you, you talk to like you've known your whole life and then you can have like a crazy adventure with some random person in the nightlife and then never see them again. And that's why I think that's partly that ephemeral, like weirdness of it is partly why it feels like it's a whole different life, you know? Um, but I, it just you can't get away from I this is some this is something I've been thinking about in the last couple of years is like I think maybe like this is a thing that late twenties people think about, but like <laughs> I consequences have actions. Like all of the things that you do, every single thing you do, like has a ripple effect. And you don't necessarily see that like straight up like, oh, this affects this. But like it it's true. It, it that and so like when you kind of throw caution to the wind and throw all your cares away and go into the nightlife which i think is why i find the nightlife so fascinating because like that's what it is it's like breaking free of all social restraints and all this da 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 da, da. and so it becomes like this transcendental experience and you're sharing it with all these other people like like i said i i i'm scared of people like i'm so shy you know i pissed my pants in second grade because i was too shy to ask to go to the bathroom like i'm shy but alcohol and all this these drugs like make it so you can connect with people and you can just like do that. But, but like, that's not that like actions have consequences, I guess in that. I don't know. Well, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't know. I, I was just thinking about it when you were talking about it with Rob. I was thinking about it earlier today and just uh, I think that's why sometimes it's very hard for me to to let go in those situations and want to indulge in certain things because I because I think in the moment, you know, having those experiences is pretty great. But most of the time when that shit's over and it's morning time and I'm alone with it, it doesn't like if it doesn't feel great to me, you yeah, know, and, and part it, of it feels like, you know, like you're saying there is consequences to these actions. And I also realize that that's not, those things don't sit as heavy with everyone. So 
more power to you if you can go do the thing and not have a lot of attachment to it later, I guess. But I think it's, it's I think it's often a, it's often a bummer <laughs> for me later. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, I'm. but the thing is, it's often not a bummer for me. It's like what I love, you know, but it can kill you, you know, like like to, you could live that life out here in L.A. You know, you could live that life where you go out every night, every single night and uh, and be the man, you know, and be fucking talking to all these strangers and entertaining all these strangers and dancing with all these people. And 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 you could have that every night if you wanted to. And you could wake up and go to work. You know, you, you have the hang you have the hangover, but you can still you can still go to work and like feel like I don't know. I I just that's what I that's why that there's a lot of exploration of that idea on the album. But uh I haven't been going out in the nightlife at all <laughs> for very recently. So I, I you know, any songs that I write these days, like I said, I wouldn't have written those lyrics these days probably. Well, I think your vocal melodies are killer, dude. And just oh, your, thank you. just thank your you. ear for where things should go and and I I love learning that a lot of that for you is really just kind of leaning in and and not really knowing how to do something and and figuring it out along the way and I think that there's moments that I could compliment on every track on the record and just a it's a it's a great one front to back for sure you know but also offers the experience like I don't I don't feel like it all needs to happen in context to enjoy it you know you can hear a single track maybe weird july doesn't feel the same without the two tracks around it but i think most of the others do uh i would agree i would agree beach is one of the tunes i feel like you were painting with some pretty dark colors lyrically Hmm. you remember anything about writing that one yeah some and some of the subject matter there i i wrote it uh the lyrics I, I, it's just, it, that one's kind of a hard one to talk about, actually. Um, <laughs> um, because uh, it's kind of like I'm talking to myself. You know, I've had friends who've died, but like that, it's not about any specific friend. It's about me. And I said, what do I say? And this is, Rob loved that lyric about overdosing in America. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I remember you were burnt out. I remember you were weak. You were laying on your mother's couch. You were giving up a good thing. Can't remember what I said then. Should have said a little more. Like if you want to go an overdose. No, you did it in America. Um, oh, the second second verse. I'm sorry. I'm just quoting my oh, own lyrics yeah. here. But I just want to give some context. Like second verse. Could you tell I had a long night? Could you tell I couldn't wait? I could tell you were your mother's kid. I could tell you were your mother's kid. I remember everything we did. I remember when you said something terrible will come for you. It's just a matter of time. Um, that, I guess, was feeling like it's all going to catch up to me. And that's the last song on the album. That's some of the last lyrics on the album. It's all going to catch up to me. And I feel like, I you know, we all have this moment where I'm, <laughs> we don't all have this moment, but I certainly have this moment have this moment where and i had this moment a million times <laughs> where i'm like this shit's gonna kill me you know what i mean like 
like not necessarily any like individual drug or anything but just this lifestyle is not sustainable and it's gonna kill me and uh, like literally like the, my idols i just turned 27 l- less than a week ago all my idols like th- th- part of the reason i was able to like be okay in college and like find carve a path for myself was because i had a template right Jimi hendrix fucking jim morrison kurt, kurt cobain like i had a template of how to of of how to be a fucking rocker you know and and i I followed that template to a t to the point where i thought i was gonna die at 27 like honestly even though i wasn't popular or whatever but like but that was the ultimate like where where it went you know that's where that path led um so when I, i i i mean the last hours of me turning 27 i'm like should i die should i just go die because i, I want to be cemented but and then i turned 28 and obviously i was thinking about this shit way before i turned 28 but like i get it feels just like times times up for that for, for that for that life you know and uh you you make a decision do you want to die or live and i've made a decision that i want to live and I'm excited to see what consequence that perspective has on the music that I write going forward. Yeah, man. Do you do you fear in any way that shifting that perspective will make the music not as good? Because I feel like that's maybe uh, something people struggle with that are just like deep into a lifestyle or deep into drug use. They feel like they're not going to be good at making music or something anymore because they're not following that that lifestyle at all. Yeah, I can understand that. I can totally understand that fear. Um, but no, I'm not. I'm not worried about that at all because I'm still honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, as long I feel, you know, like the, with the music shit, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not worried about the music. You know, for sure, like, man. <laughs> worried about everything but the music. You know. Well, beat shit heavy, man, just because I've seen some people get where just what you're talking about, you know, that lifestyle is not sustainable and I've seen it not be sustainable for people now. And when you're in your early 20s, it looks sustainable. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it looks like you could. But like there's a point and I really do think this is like a point in the evolution of every like modern day like american (laughs) sort of like we have our own like rituals and like you know like points where we have to go up and i really do believe that your late 20s is a time where you like buckle down and you 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 have to talk to yourself and be like okay no more like early 20s bullshit i have to take some responsibility and i have to do something like with my life you know um so yeah it's that i don't know if i was fully aware of that when i was writing the album but i was certainly on the cusp of it with those lyrics and beach like i was aware of how damaging what i was doing could turn out to be you know for sure i mean you see a person or two not make it out the other side and then it'll it, it'll become very real but i remember you were
Yeah, man. I appreciate I appreciate the tunes and oh, man, appreciate so dark the uh, to end on. Jeez, we're not gonna end that dark. We're not gonna. Uh, end let's just that talk dark. about something lighter. Let's talk about something lighter before we before we close out. Okay. Well, what what are you what are you excited about right now? Like, what are you you're you're doing a lot of Photoshop stuff right now? Hell yeah! Has that um, been uh, just it's so just fun. refreshing and just a new thing to really dive dive deep into? Yeah, it's just something that I mess around with, and I have a whole I made a whole Instagram about it um, to post all my weird pics. But uh, I just get a bunch of random pics from the internet, and then I <laughs> I like put the uh, the saturation up really high, and then I just put the transparency at fifty, and I move them around and I mix them together, <laughs> and uh, then they become this weird ass collage of just like psychedelic. And some of you pictures I use for my own life, like I did one of Twan and Gabio hanging. Like you should look at that one. It's I'll send it to you. It's hilarious um, because they're just like in this like psychedelic realm. And they're just like, ah, they're having fun at a party. I cropped them out of some other pick, but they're just in this like war- other dimension wormhole. Um, but yeah, it's just fun, dude. I, It's just fun. I just like, it brings me back to like doing art for fun, you know, because like, you know, we got the career shit going on, like album, oh, the album's out. Oh, we got to promote the album. Like that has nothing to do with the music, you know? And I just like making art. It's so fun, you know? Yeah. What do you feel like... Uh being someone that's teaching regularly what do you feel like that adds to your your life or even your own creative process oh i love teaching um sometimes the innocence of the kids particularly with the young well it keeps me sharp for sure uh but some of the younger kids the way they like approach the guitar um and the way they look at it and they'll call the call strings like the wrong like Thing or something and I don't even, I wish I had a better like an actual example that I remember but it'll just be like like it'll bring back you know the uh the innocence I love the innocence I'm striving to keep the innocence well into the rest of my life yeah so that's what it's about wouldn't you agree I mean I think that I feel like it's really important to keep connecting with people younger than you that's a big part of it too is like seeing the world through their eyes a little bit too and not you know not becoming kind of stagnant or just like super comfortable in your own space i feel like those interactions have got to be helpful in that in some way i would agree i would agree um oh yeah they and they like and i also get to see what music they listen to and what's hip and i feel like really cued into that um but like I'm not trying to compete with Billie Eilish, you know. I love Billie Eilish. I love Billie Eilish. But like that's not where my music is, you know. And I've also come to this acceptance that like even if my music never becomes like popular on a wide scale, like I'm really, really, really proud of the work that we did with this album, with the albums that we're going to do. And if nothing else, it'll be something for to show my grandkids or for my great grandparents to get, or my great grandkids to get like excited about when they're discovering history and they discover these albums and be like, whoa, this is a strange document from 2018. Yeah. 2021. And my grandpa wrote it anyway. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm just as big a fan of documenting a life in that way as you are, I think. You know, I think it's really fucking cool to since from a teenager till 
being 36 now to just have these little pieces of things to know where I was at, I guess, in time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And music and everything, that all is so like the fact that I write from such like a non-conscious place, you know, I write from like a, I don't write. That's why the lyrics, you know, that's like why I said I didn't realize what Through the Pores and the Nightlife was about until like after I recorded it. You know, I write from this place where the lyrics are just like coming. And that to me is like the deepest spirit. I love tapping into that. I love it. It feels so good. And it, to me, that's the deepest like spirit, spirited expression of the moment. And so as long as I feel like as long as I'm doing that, like, yeah, shit, we got a document like we got a document from yeah. my whole life. Yeah, no, Wait, this is like uh, a yearbook, you know, I think that's <laughs> rad when it feels like you're just a vehicle for this thing and it's just moving through you and comes out of you hell yeah man i'm just a, that's like exactly what i'm saying i'm just trying not to say it in the yeah. hippie dippy language <laughs> it's a vehicle for me i just oh i'm a conduit man <laughs> uh, it's it's uh it's i think that's it's a good thing though when it's when it, uh, it's when a great it feels thing. It's, it's, when it it's, feels it's, like it's, that i think i think it's the best thing ever yeah right on man well, we end every episode of the podcast with the guests saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. So if we could get the Watson moon, it's a program, we can uh, properly end this thing. All right, I can do that. Dan Cable TV. <laughs> Dan Cable it's a program. Amazing, dude. I'll give you a couple takes to this. It's a program. It's a program. Eh, it's a program. We're using all of them. Definitely. Definitely. Did I say They're program? all keepers. Did I say program? Yeah, you're nailing it. You're okay. nailing it. They're all keepers. Thank you, I want to play the episode out with Loon. Oh yeah, I love Loon. I, I think this one kind of uh tapped into like a Van Morrison Grateful Dead thing to me. Hell yeah. I love and that. And I think the guitar solo at the end is uh so good and just a rad choice to go with the acoustic, kind of that nylon vibe on it. Yeah, right. it's funny. In mixing, Drew chose to turn that up. I just wanted that to be kind of like a little like thing hanging up here. But Drew turned it up, and I was like, "All right, it's a full on solo." Now. <laughs> I just think that it would have been cool even if it was just an electric guitar. But making the choice to go with that acoustic vibe is like what makes it special or stand out, or maybe like yeah. one of those moments on the record that I remember or look forward to. And I think that's pretty much my experience with the the whole album, dude, is just every time I listen to it, I, I hear something new, whether it's in the lyrics or just in the actual production of the tunes. Oh, yeah, it's dense. <laughs> it's certainly dense. It's a dense one. It's available on all the things, and you should check it out and keep following Watson Moon. I'll put all the links in the episode notes so you can keep up with him and everything he's doing and uh, the whole Inside Voices crew. I'll put the, the link for that in there as well. Shout out to all the people that uh, contributed to making this rad record, included Cuzzo and... Uh, that's it, man. That's the Jelly Jams. And we will catch you on the flip side. Portland, Orange County, Los Angeles, wherever you are listening to this from. We won't waste your time. We won't waste your time.
give a big shout out to Distro Kid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to Distro Kid for their support of this thing. And make sure you go into the episode notes and find that Distro Kid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership with Distro Kid, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. And the link is also in uh, the link in my Instagram bio on the link tree. So you can find it there as well. Big thanks to DistroKid. Stay up, stay tuned.